Kicking off the weekend on Texans All Access. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Soon to be joined by Lovey Smith and Des King, Desmond King, corner. You've heard of him. Later on in the program, a lot to get to today, Johnny. Big weekend ahead, and I'm sure you'll find some time for R&R this weekend. I'm hoping. Well, I would think so. It is Father's Day. It's also Juneteenth. It's Juneteenth and Father's Day on the same day, which is crazy in some sense. In fact, that's both on June 19th, but it is Juneteenth and Father's Day. So I wrote my Daily Brew today. I told a story about my pops, and I always think about my dad for many reasons. But when I'm in the building and I see Cal, and I think of you know when Bob was still alive, how Cal and Bob were always together. They were mm-hmm. where you saw them together. You see Lovey and Miles Smith together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always – Makes me think about pops, and of course, going on Father's Day. Um, and I've talked to Miles. We've talked to Miles. I've talked to Miles about being a coach's son and what's that like. Because I was a coach's son, and I told a story about my dad <laughs> coaching me many, many eons ago, <laughs> and me having talked back to my dad during a game, <laughs> and it didn't go well for me. But in the end, he was right about what he was trying to coach me on, and I realized it pretty distinctly. And so I told a story. And uh, just figured, you know, it's Father's time, it's Father's Day. Tell a little story time, you know, about my dad. So it's uh, it's gonna be an interesting weekend. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Juneteenth, recognize that on Sunday as well, uh, which started in Galveston, one of my favorite places in the world. So uh, pretty uh, interesting, and uh, I would think event-filled weekend around here for sure. A lot of people getting Monday off for Juneteenth as well, the day after Father's Day, and the real. Juneteenth, which is June 19th. Anyway, a man who's a father, a grandfather, and a head coach, Lovey Smith. Johnny and I caught up with him right after practice concluded because we knew the big break was coming. Let's try to get the beard at the microphone one more time. And he liked the way things were going at practice. Went great. Really from start to finish. You know, first we asked the guys to you know, a long time ago to show up every day and let us coach you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of things to get done. Felt like we did that. And it all comes down, of course, to that final practice. And uh, one last look. Uh, you know, as a coach, you know, you, wanna, you want to be injury-free. Yeah. So we got a lot of uh, things to compass throughout. And, of course, today we finished it up the right way. Coach, getting back to – I don't know if we'll ever get back to normal after the pandemic – but it felt a lot normal because so, it didn't have to be all Zoom. You could go out yes. there and say, hey, this is how you do it and show the players and show the young guys how you do it. How important was it to be hands-on yet again? It was very important. It was good to get back to uh, normal. Uh, I don't think we you – know, we didn't. We didn't have a Zoom uh, meeting uh, this entire offseason. Wow. Mm. Uh, so uh, to get back to that, I think it's important, too, to look at a you know player in the eye. Yeah. And as you mentioned, to get hands on him, to show him exactly how uh, to do it. There were no restrictions on us. And uh, we had so many players that, that came the entire time. I think we, as it ends up, about 39 opportunities we had to get better this, this all season, And uh, that kind of shows the commitment that the players have. Well, last year, you couldn't have any real contact, like full 11-on-11 offense versus defense, right? How strange was that, and how helpful is this, especially for the young players you're trying to develop these guys? It's uh, it's, it's very important, too. Um, 
you know, it's one thing, you know, with the drills and all of that, and that's that's really important. And, of course, uh, none of all season is, is in pads, but there are so many other things that you can get done. Just lining up 11 on 11 uh, and teaching the guys, of course, all of the drills. And it's been fun watching the new players. You know, our rookies come in, and now, you know, you kind of forget that they're rookies a little bit now. They're, they've just blended in with the rest of the guys. And uh, – we're seeing how they're going to fit into the plans also. And once you get to this mini camp, all right, it's the only thing that's actually mandatory. So we have our entire football team here. And that's, of course, a you know, good feeling as a coach. Coach, a few guys that got brought in after the draft, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, not, not yes. just those guys, but I use those guys as an example because they're seasoned. I won't call them old. They're seasoned. They've been around. But how valuable are they to you and and the coaching staff? Because they are leaders. They are instructors. You watch them with some of the young guys, and I've watched you know John Grenard go over and talk with Jerry and Mario. How important are they to you from that aspect? Yeah, they can go and play, but they can also deliver the message as the coaching staff is trying to give it to them as well. Kind of be another voice for you in the locker room. How important is that to you, the coaching staff? It's. uh, I think it's critical that you have. a certain amount of veterans on your football team. And I'm talking about veterans that's done it the, a certain way, uh, you know, been true pros throughout. Yep. We just finished up with our last defensive meeting today, and that's one of the things I talked about on, you know, what some of the young players can do. Yep. Uh, just, you know, spend a little time with Jerry Hughes. I mean, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, I think it's 13 and 12 years uh, they've been playing in the league at a high level. I mean, it would help it would benefit a young player to see exactly how they prepare for a season, see what they do. You know, we as coaches are telling them what to do during this break. Right. But exactly how guys that have uh, played, again, played at a high level, how they do it uh, has been great. Uh, the players coming in, uh, you mentioned Jerry Hughes. I mean, he got here a little bit later in the offseason, uh, doing the offseason program, but jumped right in. And it's amazing how people will gravitate to certain players. So he stepped in that role right away, and we have a lot of that on the on the offensive side of the football too. Uh, so you want a little bit of old, and of course, a lot of out of the young players. Coach, as a head coach, how difficult is it to watch the players and and mark their development, yet also keep an eye on your assistants and how they are coaching? Because I got to imagine that's a big part of the job, coaching the coaches. We've discussed that kind of thing before, but so much goes into it from you down to the players' performance. Yeah, it does. A lot does go in with the coaches, but keep in mind, we've spent a lot of time together. Okay. And the the final part, I mean, we've been on the field. We've been through walkthroughs ourselves, so we pretty much know how we're going to, you know, we go out on the football field. You know, of course, coaches have to be on the same page, and we are that way. But it's still good to see, uh, you know, a new group of guys coming in and see how they're reacting, how they're responding to our coaching. And I love what we're able to do. Of course, Pep Hamilton leading our offensive group. Uh, you know, Frank Ross leading, of course, our special teams. And I've seen the guys just get better and better. Uh, it, it matters when you stay here in the offseason. You keep putting in that work. Mm-hmm. And so today uh, is the final product a little bit. And I just like where we are. We have a long ways to go. We're not, put, you know, game ready yet. But we're a lot closer. You mentioned last year when we get a, didn't get a chance to even line up and yeah. do any of these things. And that's why, you know, of course, there's a, there's a, a, a buzz going around, along around here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's warranted. 
you talk about taking the coaches out. I would come down the hallway in February. I'd be coming to work, and I would see this throng of people. I'm like, hey, there's coach, and there's coach, and there's coach. And y'all yeah. going out to the practice field early in the morning, going to get it done. And one of the guys that is hugely important to all of that, the guy you coach at quarterback in Davis Mills. And I know, you know, Kyle and, and Kevin and Jeff did a nice job, but Davis is the one a lot of people focus on, coach. Yes, what do you see from Davis – this time around or in the offseason after playing as a rookie, worked out, like you said, and that was a big deal. He mentioned it too, being here for the offseason before the program started. What did you see from him during that period, during OTAs and minicamps? We, we saw growth uh, throughout. He's one of the players that every day the building has opened, he's been here. There's a lot that goes into that. And for him to move into that role, it, it, quarterback's going to be one of your leaders on every football team. And guys have gotten a chance to see him, and I've seen him. You know, last year and in here, you know, he wasn't uh, leading an awful lot, you know. But now his voice, when his when he speaks, yeah, we all listen. The team listens, and for him though to just go through each day and get more and more confidence, yeah. and being able to work with the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, getting more and more control of the offense daily, uh, finishing right up with a good two-minute drill, last thing we did today. Well, we noticed that, of course, and the situational work in general, Coach. Red area, two-minute drill, clock situations. Can you discuss what goes into deciding what you do in practice? And i got to imagine in training camp you're going to have even more of that. More of that. Well, what goes into our, our, our practice, our practice in general, all the situations that come up in a game. You know, the first couple of weeks, of course, we concentrate a lot on first, second down, in and third down. You mentioned red zone work. It's critical. It's important, and we've done a lot of it, especially lately. And But games, you know, if you look at games, I mean, it's how you handle situations at the end of the game, end of the half, end of the game. And uh, believe me, no one will work on those more than we will. And we got a chance to, to do a little bit right now, but uh, this is just, a, you know, an interest to training camp where we really get a chance. There's so many other things that we're able to introduce to our players. Uh, we will practice. Uh, all of our workouts that we've done so far have been at 8 a.m. in the morning. We'll continue to do that in training camp, which is a little different than probably, you know, past years. We'll practice every morning at 8 a.m. And I think it's good for young people to learn how to start the day earlier, get up yeah. early in the morning, <laughs> yeah. you know, and get your work in and then have the rest of the day, of course, to see exactly what you're able to do there. So many things we were able to establish this offseason. We appreciate the 8 a.m. starts, Coach. Well, I, Coach, I am a little mad at you about this, though. And there's only one reason. I mean, I love you to death. But we go on radio live at 8 o'clock. So i got to be on radio, and our practice is going on. We'll give you a little break, Johnny. So I'm going to have to take a little break. But, <laughs> I'm going to do a drum solo. But, Coach, Mark brought up something talking about situations. And, and I want to ask you about that because – it feels like as a coach, it's the one thing as you're going kind of up the ranks and you're becoming a position coach and then maybe even a coordinator, you're worried about the X's nose, teaching the techniques and all those things. When for you did it really become, well, I got to learn how to manage the game and manage the clock. Was it really when you became a head coach or did you start working on oh. those things when you were a coordinator? No, long before you become a head football coach. These situations come up when you get into football. Like we're going to expect our football team. Uh, if you're out on the football field, we're going to expect our guys to know how to handle those situations. Yeah. So I think they start then. 
And so we're, we're asking our football players, every position coach needs to kind of know. We have a game plan about everything. We're going to talk about them in meetings and then, of course, go out on the football field and put the players and let them actually do it. But that's what it's all about. And, and it's just not end-of-the-game situations. Right, right. It's, uh, you know, uh, just third downs or second and long, second and short, on just mm-hmm. tendencies that, that teams do, just what people do in certain situations. And I know as you just watch games, yep. it seems like more teams lose games each week than actually doing an awful lot to win them. What about the offensive line? We talked to you a few weeks ago about the progress. Now that the minicamp is in the books, what did you make of how things went up front? A lot of mixing and matching up there. You had Laramie back for camp. That was nice. What about the O-line? Well, we, we, liked, we did. We looked at a lot of different combinations. Uh, which is good, which we plan to do. And then offseason, that's what you want to do also. Mm-hmm. You know, offense, defense, special teams, we're going to look at new things we may want to do. But then uh, looking at players in different positions. And a little, you know, Larry McTonsell wasn't around a few few days, so that allowed us. But to me, when, when one of your, your star players isn't around, that's what happens during a season. Injuries come up. You have to have a plan for all different things. So we're able to look at the players in a lot of different positions. Justin Britt, of course, didn't do an awful lot the last couple of days to see what that plan would be. But what we want to do, you know, we're going to address eight offensive linemen. So we need – some of the guys need to have flexibility on what they can do. Uh, Coach Warhop, of course, Coach Hunter, both did a great job coaching the players, and we'll be ready. Coach, 17 defensive linemen are on this roster. I don't know if you got any more stashed, like, in the woodworks, you know, somewhere – but obviously running a four-man front, is, as we've talked a lot about, you've got to have some guys up front. Even though you didn't hit and you can't be totally you – know, co- you can't be collisioning people, the growth of that group up front, what did you think about that in the spring? Like what they were able to do also. And uh, you can never have too many good defensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're four man, as you mentioned, a four-man front. We'll address at least eight. So guys know that they're going to play an awful lot. Yeah. But even though you can't – you know, hit, tackle, and go full speed. There's so much good drill work that you can get done. And that's what we're able to do. There will be great competition. You know, we, we talked about some of our, you know, Mario Addison. Of yep. course, Jerry Hughes adding some, you know, some of the players that have, have been stars in the league. But we have a good group of young players. And to watch their development, you know, Roy Lopez being a rookie last year playing. Uh, Malik Collins, of course, second year with us. Uh, Ross Blacklock, we have so many players like that. Uh, Rasheed Green, yeah. I mean, you look at what he was able to do. Uh, Jonathan Grenard, of course, is coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Even though he wasn't doing an awful lot of physical stuff, just him getting into football, uh, seeing him coach the players, yep. and he will take another big step this year too. Coach, how do you handle where the rookies go group-wise? And I know the depth chart is very fluid this time of year, like we were discussing. And I got to think that it almost doesn't matter because you're out there with players and you can get better at your craft no matter what level you're playing at. And I hate to call it a level, but how do you handle assigning that? Well, for you know, depth chart in general. We don't name starters really in right. the offseason. And as much as anything, we just want guys to get reps. We'll do a lot of different combinations. We have a rep count. We keep track of how many reps each player is getting. So that's all we're promising, guys. We will put you on the football field to give you an opportunity to show us exactly who you are. And 
All of our players that have been here have gotten a chance to do that. So it's more that as opposed to, you know, what team you're working with right now. Uh, all of you want to see them in a lot of different situations. We're able to do that. Coach, for a lot of people, when they get this break, everybody's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. A lot of guys from all over the place, and I would imagine when you coached in other places, you would come home to Texas, but now you're home in Texas. So what's your plan for the break? You can just stay home? You're going to get away? What's the plan for the break for you? Well, I I, uh, I think it is important during this break, and just keep in mind, some of the, you know some of us have been here an entire time. So yep. what we do, I think it's important for you to get away. We're getting ready for a long stretch. You know, going to come back in July when we get started again, so – what do we do? I mean, I'm going to, you know, we have Marianne and I getting ready to have our 10th grandchild. So we're going to do a lot of uh, grandchildren visits. Wow. Looking forward to that. Uh, do you love soccer? Uh, flag football? Yeah. All those different things. Looking forward to a lot of that. But I like the players. Uh, going to get away too and looking forward to it. A couple more for you. You open up against the Colts. Yes. How much... I hate to call it game planning, but how much planning do you do for the opponents' research on what they're doing this time of year or what you've already done? Because you can't wait till the week of. I get that. But how is that handled with you and Nick or however it's handled? Well, we keep track of mm -hmm. what's happening, especially in, in the AFC South. And, of course, you know, opening up with an AFC South opponent. Uh, but at the same time, we know quite a bit, you know, of course, Tennessee – and yeah. the Colts, uh, keeping the same staffs in place. Uh, we're pretty familiar with them, but mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot that goes in. Long before, you know, we get the preseason games and the regular season, we're always kind of paying attention to what's going on with them. Coach, thanks a lot for joining Anytime. us. Have a great break. We will. Thank you. Johnny, and you and I had a chance to visit with him even more after our interview, and you just get the feeling that – he legitimately, genuinely likes the progress, but like anybody else would recognize, this is a process. you got to get to training camp. They've got to get better in camp. You know, I don't think a coach, and Bill O'Brien once told us something like this, and Gary Kubiak as well, you don't really know what you got until you get deep in the weeds in training camp and really on the way out of training camp. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you go in, you, and when you put the pads on, that's when everything changes, of course, because you, look, you look great. As always, everything looks super and tremendous without pads on. Then you put the pads on, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We did not see this coming. We didn't think this was going to happen. Or it can go the other way, too. Like, wow, we're really surprised by that guy. I mean, like Roy Lopez last year. Did we have any idea that Roy was going to have kind of the training camp we thought he was? That he could be a regular in this lineup by week two I don't, I don't think that so once you put the pads on you kind of get an idea and then you get into preseason games and you see how some guys react to that I'm glad we have preseason games um back again uh, as opposed to was it 2020 god dude we should know that by now uh 2020 when you just had to dive right in and oh by the way you're diving right in against the Chiefs good luck um you have the three preseason games which will help and I hope we don't go to two but you get it you get into training camp and guys start getting in routines. But once you put the pads on, you can truly see what you have. Not just, I mean, speed-wise, but just physicality-wise. Like, is this what we expected? Is this what we thought? And then, of course, you deal with injuries and all that kind of stuff. So here's the one thing I thought about the other day. We go into training camp every single year. We look at the 90-man roster and we, we talk. We, obviously, off-season, that's all we do. We talk and we, well, which guys will do this, which guys will do that. And then we go into week one, and who had the most catches for the team in week one last year? Uh, it was 
Danny Amendola. In week one? I think it was a week one. Wow. Even if it wasn't the highest, it was pretty close. He had had he had had a pretty solid ball game in that ball game. And at any point during the offseason, did we ever bring up Danny Amendola's name? Like, no, there was no reason to. We had we had no idea. I was thinking about this when I was driving the other day, Mark, the fact that there are going to be f- probably f- at least five to seven guys, names we call that put on a Texans jersey in the fall that we had no idea this offseason were even a, a consideration for the Texans in any way, shape, or form. Like, who's going to be the Danny Amendola? Because there will be one. There will right. be one. 2015, Quentin Demps comes from out of nowhere, third week. Like, oh, Quentin Demps is back, and then he becomes a big factor on this defense for the rest of 15, and that was incredible in 2016 before going to the Chicago Bears, taking a big free agent deal. But there will be four or five guys that end up coming in that we had no idea at this time of year were going to be a part of this team. I can't remember a year where it wasn't like that. But last year in particular with Danny Amendola, like, we never saw him coming. We yeah. didn't, do we even have a, an inkling that Danny Amendola, your guy, Philip Dorsett. That was Dorsett later. Dorsett goes through the year. He comes later in the year, and you're like, oh, we got Philip Dorsett now. He ends up making big plays in the Jags game and against the Chargers. Uh, in two wins for the Texans. So I'm always curious about that. Where do those four, five, six guys come from that end up making an impact that really nobody saw coming because they weren't on the roster going to the training camp or coming out of offseason, and they weren't even on the roster to start the year, but somehow along the way, guy got hurt. They got to make an acquisition, and in comes Danny Amendola. In comes Philip Dorsett. Just so happened those guys ended up at receiver, but it could be at any – particular position at that point where they pick somebody up off the street and that guy steps in and ends up doing a good job for him. That week one stat sheet from last year is pretty interesting. So Amendola and Cooks actually tied for the team lead in catches with five. five and yeah. Amendola had a touchdown. Uh, care to guess who was third on that pass receiving stat sheet from week one last year? It was Farrell. It was Farrell. Very good, Johnny. That's yeah. amazing. He had that one-handed catch, didn't he? Yeah, four grabs, then David Johnson with three, Conley with two, a long of 17. Uh, It's funny because that day, the Texans ran the ball a lot. 41 carries for 160 as a squad. (laughs) 3.9, though. They were were committed to the run. Ingram led the way with 85 yards, 3.3 per carry. And they still threw it 33 times. It's not like they threw it 20 times. They threw it 33 times. That's a lot of plays. So, okay, so how many? 74 snaps on offense. Ooh, yeah. man. Domination. I mean, 74. I know college fans are like, my team runs 100, which is yeah. true in college. But it's college. It's college. In the NFL, you run 74. That's a pretty high number. Yeah. That's a really high number, actually. Yeah. So you get to, 70, you get to 74 every single week. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is, I was going to say something. But if you get the 74, sometimes that means you're just giving up big plays on the other side. and you can't res- You're just having to dink and dunk down the field to get the 74 plays. But typically, you get the 74 plays. No, you're doing something you're, well. You're rocking if for you're the not, most part. If you're not turning the ball over and you have 74 plays, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence threw for over 300 yards, but he did throw the three interceptions last year. Yeah. And that definitely hurt them. So you're getting turnovers and you ran it or – held the ball for 74 plays, 33 of them passes. Let's do that again against the Colts on opening day in 2022. I can't wait. By the way, last night, I you know, I should save this for another segment because it was really special last night. The season ticket members 
of the first year who are still with us. And they were offered a chance to go to a town hall with Nick Casario and Lovey Smith. So O2 OG season ticket members at NRG Center last night in a town hall. It was packed. And I know Larry Larry and Stafford tweeted about he it. He tweeted something I yeah. saw. He showed up, and he got on the mic, and he was very good. Yeah. He was very good talking about, you know, disappointment from the fans, passion of the fans, wanting more, you know, hoping that this is the time yeah. that this is going to happen, that this this is the rise of the Texans. And it was, uh, it was heartfelt. You know, a lot of the fans had great questions. They opened it up. Nick and Lovey wanted to take all the tough questions. Go ahead, yeah. rain them down, and they were wonderful. Nick and Lovey were terrific last night. The fans were amazing. The energy in the room was fantastic. I loved getting up on that stage because I said, you are my people. You know, they were there yeah. since 2002. It was terrific. Okay, so this, I mean, we're sort of in a, uh, what's the right way of saying this, in a unique situation, Mark, because no other team in the league, well, may, maybe the Jaguars. The Jaguars and the Panthers started in, in 95, just seven years before the, before the Texans. But we're in, a, we're in a unique situation in that those people were there from the beginning. They know the yeah. entire team history mm-hmm. that goes with the Texans. So knowing every single in and out, when Nick and Lovey are up there, and I'm not sure exactly how to ask this question, but how do you think Nick and Lovey were able to receive or understand the fans' angst? Because they've been here a couple of years. Mm-hmm. They've obviously seen what they've seen from afar. They've coached against or, in Nick's case, worked against the Texans for, for a number of different years. But you and everybody in that room has experienced every single thing of the Texans. Yeah. And here in Nick and Lovey, they've just gotten here in 20 and 21 respectively I can imagine that's probably difficult for them to understand, but in but they also need to understand it in some sense to hear the fact that, oh, man, okay, I haven't been here for 19 of the 20-some-odd years, but I get where the fans are coming from on this. I think they totally understand. They're smart enough to understand. Lovey's been with the Bears, so he gets the history of yeah. things and the frustration that the Bears had not being able to match the 85 season, yet he was the guy to take them back to the Super Bowl, even though they didn't win it. Nick, obviously, has enjoyed some very good times with the New England Patriots, right. but Nick understands the league and what's going on. And I think they they've – gotten into this thing and really soaked up a lot of the history and what it is about the Texans that occurred prior to them that, you know, has some people longing for, hey, great times under Kubiak, the good times we did have under Bill O'Brien to the dive that took place in 2020 to where we are now coming out of that. And we got the right guys. You know, I think everybody felt that in the room last night. We have the right guys. The right men are in charge. The right men are in the room to, uh, get the job done and bring the Texans to where they need to go. And does it happen this year? I'd love it to. We'll see. We're all in this together. All right, let's get to the next segment where we will feature Desmond King, former All-Pro, a lot of good stuff to say about what's going on in the practice field, and then some here on Texans Radio. Inside NRG Stadium, it's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And our visit a couple of days ago with Texans DB Desmond King. Joining us right now at Texans Radio, the pride of Detroit, Michigan, Desmond King. How's it going, Desmond? Yes, sir. It's good. Thank you guys for inviting me again. <laughs> the, well, pride, the pride of Detroit. 313. I've said this a lot about you, Desmond. Is this true or not? 
I feel like you play with a little bit of a Detroit-sized chip on your shoulder. Is that true? Um, I mean, there's never, it's never a moment where, you know, where I'm from, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't show in yeah. my play. Every time I step on the field, everybody knows he's a tough guy, yeah. you know. And everybody knows, like, Detroit, they say, you know, Detroit is tough, you yeah. know, it's hard. But, I mean, it's just where I'm from and how, you know, I was raised. It's yeah. just never, you know, never to back down from nothing. Hey, in 2021, the defense made a lot of plays, all right? Absolutely. And you among the players made a lot of plays as well. I know the numbers didn't always bear that out, and it wasn't a great year for the team overall, but there was a lot to build on. How is this year's Texans D looking? Because I know you added some new guys, but you have a lot of the guys who made plays last year coming back. Right. Um, I mean, to me, from what I've seen so far in OTAs, um, we got guys that can play in any spot that you need them to play in in the secondary. Um, the defense total as a total, you know, as a group, I feel like, you know, we got we got veteran guys that's that's here to step up, you know, in each each position, you know, down the line. So then we got some younger guys that's out there that's just making plays, you know what I'm saying? They just have that that ability, that knack for the ball. Um, I saw Jalen out in practice just making plays all over the field. So it's it's good to see the young guys get out there and get active. So um, definitely excited to see where it takes us this year. Desmond, for you, last year you played some inside, you played some outside. People think, ah, you know, it's it's cornerback. You know, it's the, it's pretty much the same thing. But it can be night and day different. Right. For you, for a guy that does have to play both or does play both, how different are those two positions and how difficult is it for you to kind of learn the intricacies of playing both? Um. I just got to remember, you know, you know, as as also playing the inside, you got to be more patient. You know, yeah. the inside is a lot more about, you know, patience, knowledge, you know, uh, you, you have to really think, you know, and I'm not trying to say like you don't have to think at a corner, but right. it's really it's a different it's a different position than yeah. I playing outside corner. Um, and me just having those conversations with my coach, he asked me, you know, like, what's the difference of you playing man outside? And playing man in the inside, yeah. I was just saying like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, "Well, I've been watching you know the film and watching your practice. I think you know when you get back inside playing inside corner, you need to be more patient. You know, yeah. play how you used to play, be more patient, and just you know don't kind of like get the two mixed up." Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I definitely took that you know and kind of you know put that out there on tape, and, and I kind of saw the difference night and day, like you yeah. said, and playing those two positions. Desmond King joining us. Okay, so you came into the league 2017. How have you changed as an athlete as far as how you take care of your body and handle the personal side of things as you evolve here in the NFL? Because I know early on it's got to be a whirlwind. You're coming into the league and, oh, my gosh, how is it different for you now, if at all? Um, I, would, I would just say, like, you know, coming in as a rookie, uh, especially in the time that I came in, I'm, I mean, it wasn't – it was about having fun, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, just going out there and just just keep doing what you've been doing since, what, peewee, little league. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I was just out there having fun, you know, and just not really knowing how to take care of my body. So, you know, and, and throughout the years, you know, this year six now, um, it, it's very important to take care of your body. It's about, you know, what you eat, what you're putting in your body, all of that type of stuff. And that's that's something that I definitely kind of, want to get better at I feel like I need to get better at um, and I will but it's definitely important to to know what you put into your body because is it, it can it can affect your gameplay as well 
Is it hard to stay in tip-top shape between mini camp and training camp over the years? Uh, it's a, it's a choice. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really it's really how you uh how how you take it. You know what I'm saying? Some people, you know, they they go on vacation. You know, they they do this, do that. And some guys, you know, they go on vacation and still be active. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's really like your decision on what you do when when you got that time off. Desmond, you and Tav grew up together, correct? Correct. What was it like going through last year together? On the same team, both of y'all making plays. What was what was that like? Somebody that you grew up with that you've known for a long, long time. Now you guys are on the same NFL team. Yeah. You're both making plays. What was that like? Um, it was fun, you know. And, and like I said, you know, before it's it's kind of like how we were when we were younger, just going out there, yeah. and just having fun, just different level. And so every time you know me and him on the field, it's it's something good is going to happen. Yeah, like something good is going to happen. With me and him on the field at the same yeah. time, and uh, that's something that you know, Coach Levy, you know, talked about when we just have meetings with just him by ourselves, and he would just say like, "My two Detroit guys, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. both on the same side of the field. Something's going to happen over there yeah, yeah. that's going to be good." So, like I said, you know, it, it's fun and it's good that you know have somebody out there that you know that you have a relationship with for over plus years. So it's good to have them out there on the field. Desmond King joining us. You had a great career at Iowa. How would things be different for you now with all this NIL stuff going Ooh, on? How man. closely have you followed this? <laughs> because it's a completely different landscape now in college as far as recruiting and the way everything's being handled. Uh, I honestly haven't been following this okay. stuff. Like, I honestly don't know. We could you know get what. you some deals. Yeah, I, yeah. I really want to look into that stuff, man, because uh, I haven't really figured it out. I really don't know too much about it but i did you know i, I read it like maybe a while ago uh bryce young is that the quarterback yeah. from alabama yeah dude made like i think six figures just off i, I don't even know i'm like yeah like wow i, I don't know either <laughs> well i mean he won heisman he did i, I, I remember did. uh we talked when you were on our player show last yeah. year about the fab five and how you know they're bef- way before your time but you know all about them and everything right. they would have crushed they it they would have cleaned up in nil i mean five Absolutely. freshmen starting for Michigan. you would have crushed it iowa oh yeah i mean after a return for a touchdown I'm, i mean just your career at iowa you would have been you would have been nil king yeah for, i mean you think so Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? You were the weren't you the first freshman to start there at DB and forever yeah, or something? Yeah, some plus years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Definitely. I mean, you think about you know Iowa football better than we do, but you think about how football crazy that place is. Oh yeah. And its highest profile player. Yeah. You know, hey, we'll pay you something. You'll pay however much. To just tweet about our place, or hey, you're gonna guys are getting deals that are your backup offensive linemen. You don't think Desmond King, <laughs> oh, award yeah. winner in yeah. Iowa, would have been raking it in? Uh, not that, not that you. I mean, not that you put it that way. Like I said, I haven't really like looked yeah. looked into it as much. But now that you put it that way, I it, honestly kind of think, yeah, I would have kind of. <laughs> you would. I would have made it run. I would have ran it up out there. All right, you ready for some either ors? Let's go. All right, what you use, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Would you rather be mic'd up for an entire game? Or sing your favorite karaoke song at a karaoke bar. Some guys like being mic'd up. Some I guys know. don't. See me, I'm not the mic'd up type of person. But what are you singing? Uh, I'm not singing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll probably do the mic'd up for sure. Okay. Uh, business dress. Got to wear a suit. Uh, I don't. Know. Tabs get married. Let's use that. And you're not in the wedding. You didn't put that on you. 
You wearing clean Jordans with the suit, or are you wearing some dress shoes? Dress shoes. Really? More yeah. guys are picking dress shoes. Yeah, than I I'm going. I'm going dress shoes for sure. I, wow. I was talked into the Jordans with with mine, and I was like, you know what? It kind of changed my mind. It kind of changed my thought. I, I can't pull off that look. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I can. I like you can. I I like to look professional. Gotcha. So if I All got right. a suit on, okay. I got to look clean. Okay, head to toe. Favorite card game: spades or hearts or something else. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Egyptian Rascal? No. Look into that. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> you uh, the wild card. You've been in Houston, little a couple of years. Favorite Houston food that sometimes you're allowed to eat, sometimes not, depending on whether the lad knows or not. Tex Mex. Or brisket slash barbecue. Tex Mex. Really? Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like Tex Mex for sure. I would have thought brisket, you know, kind of Midwest. I, but no. Yeah, no. I'm not too big on the barbecue. And I mean, I, I, I love to barbecue myself yeah, yeah, yeah. personally. Right. But um, I've been I've been killing the Mexican food out here. Yeah, yeah. What That's food is Detroit so. known for? Don't they have Lafayette Coney Island? Coney Island. Is that still yeah, big? Yeah, Coney Island is a big thing. Okay. That and Asian corned beef. Okay. All right. So we got okay. like corned beef egg rolls. They've also got their quote unquote style of pizza. Good. Detroit style pizza. Yeah. The they thick do? and it's kind of Yeah, Detroit yeah, style pizza. Yeah, we got we got a style pizza too, yeah. It's, it's like thick? a th- it's like a thick, but it's not like heavy dough, it's like a lighter dough. Uh-huh. But then the the outsides get crusty from the mm-hmm. they drop cheese down in the corners yeah. as they bake it. So the yeah. out the crust it's like this soft dough, but then it's like crusty on the outside. This is not keto friendly. No, it's not keto. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. This is, this is not good for me it's, right it's now. It's not at all. <laughs> all, all right, right, one more for you. One 100 more. degrees or 30 degrees? Oh, Because you grew up with all that snow. Yeah, I'm going 100. Like, all right. I'm going 100. Well, we're in the I right can't, place. I can't do the code. All right. <laughs> I can't do the code. Desmond, thanks a lot for joining us. Good no luck. problem, guys. Appreciate you. Desmond King on Texans Radio. All right, big announcement in town yesterday. The World Cup coming to Houston, among other cities. But how does the NFL play into this? Let's discuss next here on Texans All Access. Breaking toward the weekend here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. World Cup coming to Houston, Johnny. Six games minimum, I guess. Could be more. 2026. Thoughts? Fantastic. Absolutely love it. I don't know that I would have said that five, six years ago. When was the last World Cup we had in soccer? 18? I don't know that I would have totally said that, but just my love of Premier League soccer, Man City, of just soccer around the world, Champions League, just everything has grown over the years. And I think part of it is just knowing the players, you know, knowing you know, a lot of guys in the English squad, curious to see what the American squad will have, uh, you know, who's going to be around Pulisic and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just, I'm curious. And I've always said, no matter... Even before 18, I always said I wanted to go to a World Cup event. Well, here's your chance. I know. Because. Just stay right in your seat right now it's, and wait till 2026. And, and you can listen. just walk out the door and go. And listen. Just listen to it and feel the passion of the fans. That's all I was curious about. And, of course, when Mexico's in here, you feel it. It's just a different, yeah. it's just a different feeling. Oh, so different. It, it, it's, like a, it's like a playoff game. Like an NFL playoff game. It's different than that, though. It's it's hard to describe, isn't it? It's this constant noise. It's yes. this. It just doesn't stop. Well, I remember the first time I saw USA Mexico here. It didn't stop. Right. And I thought, can we get these people in here for the preseason? These fans, because uh, and I know some of them are our fans, but it's it's just a different vibe altogether. And different countries' fans are going to have different traditions. 
and a different chance. That's the one thing that always blew me away when I was first watching a Premier League game. I'm like, why do I keep hearing da 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 Like, what is that they're chanting and trying to figure out what it is that they're saying and they're, ch- and, and they're saying about fans or what they're saying about the players. It's fascinating, just absolutely fascinating to watch a game and the fan involvement. So I'm curious, and I, I always like, you know, watching, you know, Premier League, you see these guys, they're, they're club teams, they're professional teams, but then they go to their, their back to their, their national teams. And it's just a different level of play. And I always love watching when guys that play on the same pro team or club team then have to play against each other from a national standpoint. And I always find that fascinating. You know, when England well, has the to NBA, take on. the NBA, you see that too, and I like that. Yeah, I always think it's really, really cool uh, to, to see things like that when they get into their 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 national uh, kits and play and hear the fact that they're going to have six games. I don't know what six games they will be. It will, I don't think it will matter. I don't care what, what countries come mm. through here. It won't matter. It will just be awesome to be one of the cities involved. Because in 94, we missed it. 94, we didn't have that opportunity, but now we've got it and shown that this is one heck of a soccer location, and it's going to be really, really cool. I, that was It's funny because all the different football news that comes out, that was the news I was waiting for yesterday. I was waiting for that yesterday going, all right, when's this coming out? Come on. We've got to have this, right? Houston's got to have this. I watched the FIFA show. A lot of people saw it on Fox. Yeah. I didn't even know it was on Fox. I was here in the studio, and yeah. I just put it on the computer, and I watched the FIFA feed. And it was really cool. Yeah. It was in English. It was very cool to watch how they did their selection show. You know what's going to be cool? It's k- keep it on that FIFA show. I know for Champions League, well, they do Champions League. So it's the top four from all the different European uh, nations. Right. And so what they do is they have a pool of, I don't know, 32 teams. And they draw. So it's like, you know, they're doing a lottery. Mm-hmm. And they're like, in Group B. Yeah. Portugal, and so they do the draw that way. I can't remember how they do World Cup, but I know it's something like that, and it's really cool. The draw or the – well, yesterday was just cities. Yeah, yesterday but, was just the cities. Because we already know the draw for Qatar or Qatar. Qatar, or, yeah. But when they get to 2026 – Why do they change – it's not they. The the pronunciation, I've heard so many different versions. I don't even know what 20 is. I don't know who to trust. I All really I know, know is they built a lot of stadiums there that might not ever be used again. But that's just life in the World Cup international circuit of uh, all sports, really, Olympics included. The only thing that I have a question about mm-hmm. is just the timing because you're going to have a lot of preseason games. you got a lot of NFL stadiums that I are I think involved. they're done by July. But here's the thing. It's still going to impact – it's going to impact OTAs and minicamp and things like that. Oh, boy. This oh, yeah. will be interesting. But it's oh, in yeah. 2026. We don't have to worry about it just yet, <laughs> do we? That's going to do it for the show tonight. This will be up on Texans app at HoustonTexans.com soon enough. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening, and go Texans.